Awesome. Well, a warm welcome to you. Grab your seats. It's so good to have you here at our 10 a.m. gathering. <laughs> and as Duncan already said, the fact that you're in church the morning after, give yourselves a round of applause. That's the real MVPs right there, right there. <laughs> I tried my best uh, not to shout too loudly last night, uh, knowing that we've got a full day ahead of us this morning. Uh, but I don't know about you, but uh, I can't help myself. I've got to sing. Like when we're in times of worship, no matter how that voice is feeling, you've got to sing, right? And uh, so it's good to be here. Are you happy to be here this morning? Yeah. Do you love being in the house of God? Yeah. Oh, it's so good to be together. And uh, I believe God's uh, got something awesome to speak to us this morning. We're actually launching into a brand new series. I'm really excited about it. It's a series called My Lips Will Praise. Everybody say Praise. Uh, and it's just so great because you're coming in here with a very, very full hearts and positive attitudes and loud voices. So God worked this together so well for this morning with what we're going to speak into. But it's a series on praise. Uh, and if you've been with us for the majority of this year, you'll know that our prophetic theme for the year, the direction we've been going in as a church this year, uh, is the theme of His presence. Prioritizing His presence. That God's presence is more important than anything else. Amen. Uh, and so as we've been in this series, uh, in this year of this theme, uh, I just think it's been absolutely awesome. Uh, we've been able to spend so much time in the Psalms, uh, which has been amazing. It's always good to spend a lot of time in the Psalms. Uh, and I think you would have picked up as we've gone through the Psalms uh, that actually uh, the Psalms are divided up into uh, various genres. There's a whole bunch of them, and you'll figure that out as you read through them, and you can uh, do a bit of your own research. But we've gone through a few of the big genres this year. Uh, one of the genres... Uh, that uh, exists in the Psalms is just straight up praise. It's just amazing. Praise. And we're going to spend four weeks just looking at the genre within the Psalms of praise. And so I'm really, really excited about that. And praise is absolutely paramount. Throughout all of Scripture, we're exhorted, we're encouraged, uh, we're commanded to praise God. Time and time again, we see it. In fact, one of the most uh, famous psalms, uh, and it's not the one that we're going to be in today, but it's the grand finale of the psalms, uh, which says something about it. Uh, it's Psalm 150. We can read along behind me. It says, praise the Lord, exclamation mark. All right, so could you say that with the exclamation mark? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm just checking that you're with us, okay? Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Verse 2 says, praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Verse 3, come on now. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. I just want to ask, does anybody play the lute? Does anybody know what the lute is? Uh, if you do, please let me know. Uh, but here we go. Pra verse 4, praise Him with tambourine and dance. We can do that, right? Praise Him with strings and pipe. Verse 5, praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud, clashing cymbals. And just as a side note, how absolutely awesome is it that we've got young Etienne, a matric in our youth ministry, here on a Sunday morning, playing those drums for us and choosing to be here on a Sunday morning after the World Cup. An 18-year-old. Doesn't that stir something up within you? An 18-year-old wants to be here, praising the Lord, clashing those cymbals. Verse 6 says, Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord, and then because once is not enough, it says again, praise the Lord, exclamation mark. 
And I don't know about you, but I love that psalm. I, I love especially the last verse of the psalm because it's basically telling us, that verse that says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, it's telling us that sometimes we need to get over ourselves a little bit. We need to get over the fact that we might not feel like praising the Lord, or we might need to stop coming up with reasons or excuses as to why we don't want to praise the Lord, why we don't, don't feel like praising the Lord. No, it's saying that if you have breath in your lungs right now, God is commanding, exhorting us to say, use that breath to praise me. Amen. Until you draw your very last breath, you will use your breath to praise the Lord. And so offering up praise to God is so vital. It's so vital that Jesus even said that if we as humans don't do a good job of it, then even the rocks will cry out in our place. Don't know about you, I don't want any rock to cry out in my place when it comes to praising the Lord. Amen. Praise is so important that actually all of creation is designed to do it. That is how God created things. He created all of creation, including you and me, but all of creation to praise Him. Everything cries out to Him. Psalm 65 verse 13 says, The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. Isn't that an amazing image? The whole of creation shouts into God in worship. And so, a life of praise should actually be a mark for every Christ follower. Amen? If, if, if people around you know you as someone who loves Jesus, follows Jesus, worships Jesus, then a life of praise should be a mark for you in your life. You know, we live in a world where it's so much easier to be a critic, to be a grumbler, to be a complainer, right? But for me, when all is said and done, when I take my final breath and I spend the rest of eternity worshiping God in heaven, what I would love to be known as is that, some, is, is that I was somebody who knew how to praise God. I want to be known as a praiser, not a complainer, not a critic, not a cynic. I want to be known as a praiser. And so that the posture in this life and certainly the next life would be one with my hands and my head and my heart and my whole life just lifted high in praise of Jesus. Is that something that you desire for your life? I want to tell you, you should desire that because Scripture is clear that that is how our position should be. Praise of our Creator. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought about in the book of Revelation when it talks about one day when we'll all be together for all of eternity singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and it says we'll sing it again and again and again, and it even says forever and ever and ever, amen. You know, sometimes us as humans, uh, because of the fact that we can get, you know, you, you might think to yourself, won't I get bored? Won't I get distracted ever? Is that all we're going to do for the rest of eternity? But I don't think it's going to take any effort to spend all of eternity worshiping God with complete purity, because in heaven there is no more sin. It's sin that causes boredom. It's sin that causes distraction. It's, it's, it's a problem that we have this side of heaven. In heaven, there's no more of that. And so, yes, we live in this world. We live this side of heaven, and it's in a world that is broken by sin. You see, this world is a world that is marked by chaos, and it's marked by disorder, and it's marked by turmoil, and it's marked by hatred. That's the world that we live in, unfortunately. And as Duncan said last week, 
and is speaking into David's life, that when we live in a certain lifestyle for long enough, that lifestyle can start to live in us. And so when you live in a world that is broken by sin, and you're surrounded by hatred, and you're surrounded by turmoil, you, you can start to reflect that in your life. Our friend Ross Roger from Olive Tree Church said this to us as a staff a few weeks ago. He said, you know, sometimes what can happen to us in this world is that we can go through a time of getting stuck in the mud and years later only realize that we still have some mud that is stuck in us. Sometimes we get stuck in the mud and only years later you realize that there's still mud stuck in you. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Have you ever found yourself mid-sentence in a rant of negativity and you've suddenly wondered, when did I start speaking like that? When did I start sounding like that? That's not me. You see, you've got stuck in the mud somewhere along the line, and suddenly you realize and there's mud stuck in you. And God is saying you need to get that mud out of you. The way to do that is to turn up the praise. God has put us in this world, but not of this world. And Jesus has overcome the troubles of this world. And our lives need to reflect that hope. That yes, this world will have its troubles, but what is the good news that Jesus said? He says, I have overcome this world. That actually there is hope for this world. And as, re- as followers of Jesus, we need to reflect that in how we speak and how we worship and how we praise. Because how many of you know the world needs hope? We've spoken about it for years now. The world needs to know the hope of Jesus. They're not going to see that hope when you're stuck in the mud for so long that you don't even realize you've just become like the world. And so we need to turn up the praise. As we've been saying uh, this whole year, God's presence is greater than everything. Amen. God's presence is the answer to everything. I I just feel like someone needs to hear that today, that you're facing something, you're looking for an answer. I want to remind you, God's presence is the answer to everything. So bring it to Him. God's presence is where this world will find peace. (laughs) I wish we could say that louder. For those in the back, God's presence is where this world will find peace. Amen. God's presence is what you need if you're going to be in this world, but not of this world. And God's presence is going to be the thing that keeps the mud from staying stuck in you. We need to live our lives in God's presence. And the key to unlocking the presence of God in your life is to turn up the praise. Just somebody say, turn up the praise. It's the key, amen, to unlocking the presence of God in your life. And so, in the time that we've got this morning, are we going to jump into what I think is one of just the best psalms ever? Absolutely love it. Uh, And over the next four weeks, we're going to do the same with other psalms. But for today, we're in Psalm 100. You can read along with me. It starts out in verse 1 by saying, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And then verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And then it needs to just reiterate it. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Verse 5, For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And so great psalm, and we're going to have three takeaways from the psalm as we prioritize the presence of God and turn up the praise. Are you ready for that this morning? 
great. If you take your notes, number one is that there is power in the shout. There is power in the shout. Verse one, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Now, we know all about a passionate, joyful shout from last night. Hey, I'm so glad that I was able to type that in my notes and print it out on Thursday, knowing that we're going to have a joyful shout from last night. Amen. Come on now. Who was saying to me earlier, you know what, that was a gift from God to this country last night. Somebody was saying that earlier. Sometimes we just need that. Amen. But we know all about a joyful shout. How many of you were joyfully shouting last night? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I think more, more of you probably than you want to admit. But naturally shouting for joy is one of the incredible designs that God put in us as humans. It's actually something that comes naturally, that we shout for joy. And you see, for us, shouting with joy to the Lord is something that is found all over the Psalms. Uh, just to run through a couple of them, Psalm 98 verse 4 says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, burst into jubilant song with music. Uh, the next one, Psalm 47, clap your hands, all your nations, shout to God with cries of joy. Psalm 33 verse 3, sing to him a new song, play skillfully and shout for joy. Uh, and then the last one, Psalm 95 verse 1, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Even in the New Testament, I love the account in Luke of the triumphal entry of Jesus coming into Jerusalem uh, on the back of a cult. And Luke 19 verse 37 says that as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. Sounds like a shout. A loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. You see, the thing is that in God, when we have this natural shout of joy in God, it's not random, it's not without reason, and it's certainly not empty. The shout that we offer to God is full of substance. Why? Because it's a shout of joy to the Lord for who He is and for what He's done. Amen. I love it. I love it. But I think that what has happened and what can so easily happen is that the darkness of this world that we live in, for as long as we're this side of eternity, the darkness can too quickly dampen our shout as praises of Jesus. That's what the world can do. You know, we live in a time and in a culture where there's a lot of shouting. Amen. How many of you know there's a lot of shouting going on all around us? There is a lot of people with big megaphones pushing ungodly agendas. How many of you know there's a lot of shouting in the comment sections? It's loud. Everybody's got something that they're shouting about. But negativity and pessimism and hopelessness is always unnecessarily loud. And how often does everybody else's shout of negativity and hopelessness dampen and trample on the joyful shout of praise of us as worshipers of the King of Kings? And so the psalmist telling us we need to turn up our praise, make our shout loud. Because in a world of loud voices, shouldn't the sound of us praising God with a loud voice be the sound that rises up above everything else? Amen. I pray that that would be true of us. You know, even when you come to church on a Sunday, I just want to encourage you. You know, the only people that need an audition to be on the worship team are the singers that sing on the worship team. You don't need to worry about it. If you're not a, a naturally gifted singer, you still need to sing loud from where you are. 
even if sometimes the person next to you has looked at you like, yo, this person is tone deaf, it doesn't matter. Because what in the Psalms it says to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Some of you are making more of a joyful noise than others, and that's okay. That's okay. James has never turned down his praise in the front row here. <laughs> not that he's, I'm not, don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't now hear what I'm not saying. We can put him through the audition process one day, see how it goes. But don't worry about it. Turn up the praise. Come with a shout of praise. Sing loud uh, in your own life and here together when we get together on a Sunday. It's so important. There is power in the shout. Amen. Awesome. All right. Number two is that there is purpose in the order. If you actually read here in verse four, it's interesting that there's an order that the psalmist explains to us. He says to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Do you notice that there's an order behind that? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And when the psalm talks about the courts, it can be seen as talking about his presence. You enter into his court, it's talking about coming into his presence. And so the psalmist is using an analogy back from the temple, telling us that how we open the door into God's presence. You see the gates were part of the outer wall that surrounded the temple grounds, and you'd enter the temple through those gates. And so as we've already said, the key into God's presence, or as the psalmist is saying, the key into God's courts is through praise, Right? But notice over here that there's an important step before that. There's the gates that lead into God's courts or the gates that lead into God's presence, and that is thanksgiving. I believe that we need to get really good at entering the gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. I don't know how many of you are old enough to be in Sunday schools. I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I'll enter his courts with praise. Amen so good and it's so true and I think we need to get so good at that entering in with a thankful heart the theme of thanksgiving resonates through the psalm and so there's a repetition of it uh, you know it's, it, it says twice give thanks to the Lord it's shown how important it was for the psalmist over here and isn't it true that at the end of the day the heart of every true worshiper is a heart of thanksgiving at the end of the day at the heart of a true worshiper is a heart of true thanksgiving. That when we're in the presence of Jesus, when we're pouring out our worship at his feet, we can't help but be overcome with gratitude. You would have picked up a lot of these lines I'm saying today from the songs we've sung. That we're overwhelmed and we're overcome with gratitude in the presence of our God. Just uh, three quick scriptures on gratitude. Psalm 107, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 7, 17, I will give to the Lord the thanks due His righteousness. He's due our thanksgiving. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, give thanks in all circumstances. To remind us once again, it's not about the circumstance you're in. It's about the fact that your heart needs to be in a position of gratitude to God at all times through all circumstances. So the presence of God is a special thing. And I think that what's happening here is the psalm is reminding us again that while God's presence is always there, it's always open and freely available to us, there is actually guidance given in the psalm, which is so cool. 
as how we should come before God. It's saying that there's actually some preparation that can take place in us and in our hearts as we come before God, as we come into His presence. Uh, even when we come to church on a Sunday, it's a good question to ask ourselves, how, how are you coming into church on a Sunday? Have you done any preparation of your heart as you come into a time of worship on a Sunday? Now, I know what it's like. Those minutes in the car from home and into church, amen, can be some of the most chaotic minutes of the whole week. Isn't that true that sometimes that's where devil, the devil wants to just get his claws in there and cause something to happen in the car on the way here or the kids or whatever? It can always, yeah. Because what we can be doing in that time is we can be preparing ourselves as we come into God's presence. Parents, you can be preparing your kids in the car on your way to church. Say, hey guys, what is it that we're thankful to God for today as we come to church and as we worship Jesus? We can teach that to our kids from a young age. That we don't just randomly rock up here and we're running in at the last minute. And, you know, how true is it that we sometimes spend more time preparing our hair or our makeup, or our outfits, then we do prepare in our hearts as we come to worship. Now, my makeup looks great today, I know. You know, the 8 a.m. didn't even laugh at that joke. They thought I was serious. <laughs> Just FYI, I don't, there's no makeup going on over here. <laughs> uh, but sometimes we just get it wrong. We, 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 we put priority on the wrong things, right? And uh, we need to come into God's presence. If that's our own times of worship or uh, in, in a corporate setting like this, with a heart prepared for worship. And I think that the psalm is showing us the importance of the order, that the way to prepare our hearts to come into His presence is through thanksgiving. Amen. Is that good today? Great. The last one, number three, there is plenty to praise God for. <laughs> there is plenty to praise God for. The psalmist doesn't just tell us to give thanks and praise and then kind of drop, the, drop it and leave it there. He ends the famous psalm with three things that we can actually add to our list. Three reasons that we have to praise God, and it's three out of millions. And we're just going to jump into those and look at them because the psalmist helps us with it this morning. Uh, you see in verse uh, 5 over there, it, it says, For the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. There's three. The first one, so reason to praise God this morning is because He is good. He is good. God is good in so many ways. And sometimes our humanness can human and we can find ourselves getting stuck and not even being able to find one thing to praise God for or to be grateful for. Has it happened to you before? You know, it, it's, it can happen. Sometimes the stress of everything going on around us can actually just leave us feeling totally overwhelmed and unable to even utter one aspect of God's goodness. That is life. That is true. It can happen. But if you find yourself in this place, I just want to challenge you to find a quiet moment of just you and God. You know, sometimes those are the best moments. It's the moments only you and God will ever know about. But find a quiet moment, just you and God, and just find one thing, just one thing to be grateful for in that moment. And I can promise you the amazing thing that will happen is that when you start with one, it will just start to flow. And it will be two, and it will be three, and it will be four. And God will remind you of himself and how much he loves you. And, and, and before you know it, you can spend the entire day in there, never exhausting the list of the goodness of God in your life. Amen. I love that we sung that song just in our offering time over here. We have seen the goodness of God in our lives, and so it stirs up gratitude within us. And I can promise you 
that what will actually happen is you will walk away feeling refreshed in the presence of God as you open your mouth and just start being grateful to God for His goodness in your life. And so I would encourage you to do that. And if you're struggling to even just find one thing, if you're struggling with how to start, uh, here's two things that I would just give you right now. This is just for you to take and use. If you're struggling to know what is it that I can say thank you to God for this morning, well, first of all, the ultimate evidence of God's goodness to us is His salvation. If you know Jesus and love Jesus and Jesus has saved you this morning, the ultimate evidence of God's goodness in your life is that He saved you, that you were a sinner, that you deserved death, but God said, no, I'm sending Jesus in your place and Jesus will die so that you can stand here and say, I praise you, I worship you, my heart is full of thanks to you. It's the ultimate evidence. So start there. If you've got nowhere else to, to start, start there. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Another one that you can go for is that God is good even when we face dark times. You know, the famous Psalm 23 says, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, guess what? God says he's not going to leave us. He's never going to leave your side. And that is something that you can thank God for. I, I, I feel like even today there's people who are going, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. God wants to remind you that he will not leave your side. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. He wants you to know that this morning. And hey, that's something for you to go, God. I'm so grateful that you have said, even in my darkest hour, one thing I know is that you're still with me. Amen. And so start listing the goodness of God in your life that you're experiencing right now, and suddenly you'll see praise starting to rise up within you once again. You need to turn up that praise once again. Amen. The second thing you can thank God for in this, uh, shown in the psalm is that it's because His love is forever. His love is forever. You know, so much of what we experience in this world, in fact, everything that we experience in this world is temporary. But one thing we know of God's love is that it's eternal. It will never end. It will never run dry. It's a covenant love. You see, God has bound us to himself in a covenant that he will never abandon. And so you can look around your life and say, everyone else might abandon me. But God has said over here, I will never abandon you. Other translations for love say his mercy is forever. And the Hebrew meaning for mercy in this psalm means his loving kindness. Isn't that beautiful this morning? God's got a loving kindness for you that will never end. It will never run dry. In another psalm, we're told that God's loving kindness is better than life. And why is God's loving kindness better than life? It's because it's not only for this life, it's for all of eternity. It will never end. And so no wonder the psalmist says, it, it, it's not for right now only, it's forever, it's for eternity. It will never end. God's incredible loving kindness for you. How awesome is that? It should cause the volume of praise to rise in your heart again today. And then the last one that we're going to look at is because His faithfulness is for all generations. Me, I love this one. I, I think this one got me stuck the most just in being grateful to God for all generations. It's one of the most incredible things to give God praise for because He's faithful and His faithfulness is enduring, not only for now, but for all generations. You see, it means that God isn't fickle. It means God doesn't sometimes forget. He's not going to remember this generation and forget the next generation. 
he sticks to his word. He will never break his word. His purpose will never change. And in a world that we live in, in with so much uncertainty, the one thing that we can always be certain about, always be certain about, is God's faithfulness. I love that I've just felt, felt like we've said it so much this year, that we know God is faithful. You know God's faithful in your life. You know He's faithful in your family's life. You, we know He's faithful to us as a church. We know God is faithful, and it's one of the things that we should be so grateful for, that He's not only faithful to us right now, but to all generations. How easy is it for us to worry? How easy it is just to get worried about the future? Parents, how easy is it to worry about our kids? How, is it, how easy is it to worry about our grandkids? What, you know, what is this world coming to? What are they going to have to live through? We can worry about it so easily, but the psalmist is lifting our eyes once again to God, saying God, by His very nature, is faithful to all generations. Amen. It's something that should cause your heart to rise up in praise and thanksgiving to God as you come into His presence. And so we're called to choose to cling on to the faithfulness of our God over the fear that the world wants to throw at us. You need to cling on to the faithfulness of God. And so if you're faithful about your future, you're fearful about your future, if you're fearful about your kid's future, the psalm is reminding us that we have a God who promises to be faithful to all generations. The Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie. In other words, we can trust what he says. And he says, hey, I'm faithful right now. I'm faithful forever. That is something that we can praise God for today. Amen. And so there it is. There's three reasons right there just in those few verses. And as I said, there are millions more, but there's three for right now to turn up the praise. It's because of his goodness. It's because of his eternal love. It's because of his faithfulness to all generations. And you know, all of these are found in Jesus. That's the most amazing thing. All of these things are found in Jesus. And so what does it mean? It means that ultimately we praise Jesus because he is Jesus. Uh, it's not a bad, bad one to jot down in your notebooks this morning. Ultimately we praise Jesus because he is Jesus. Amen. And so those of us who know and love Jesus and are on the path of following Jesus, the encouragement from this psalm is to turn up praise and to prioritize his presence. I want us just to take that from the psalm today. I know that sometimes, just as a, a little side note before we wrap up, we want to do it, we want to pray, and we want to pray and thank God, and, and it can be difficult for us. We sit down and we don't know what to say or how to get going with it. I think that one of the most wonderful things is about Psalms, and I would really encourage you to just dive to them, is when you come and you say, hey, I'm going to take this, this moment right now, and I, I, I want to communicate my gratitude to you, God. And you sit down, just open up the Psalms and look around, and you'll find the most incredible, helpful templates that the psalm offers in what the psalmist said to God. And you can use that in your own life. There's, there's many. I just picked Psalm 139. I came across it, and I thought, this is a good one. You know, you sit down with God, and you open Psalm 139. The first word says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Imagine just sitting down with God and echoing those words from the psalmist. And saying, God, that's it. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In other words, I'm not an accident. In other words, I'm designed by the creator of the universe. I am wonderfully made. 
does that not start something to stir up in your heart? Hey, I've got a God who loves me and made me wonderfully and beautifully and intricately. And so your praise and your thanksgiving starts to rise. Second line says, wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. God, your works are wonderful. What you've done is wonderful. You suddenly start realizing the list of things that God has done, the work that he's done in your life, the works that he's done in your family's life. Before you know it, you're overwhelmed and you're overcome with worship of this great God. I think it's just such a helpful thing for us to take and use in the Psalms. And so for those of you who are listening to this and you go, well, I, I don't know Jesus, it sounds amazing. And actually, this is something that I would love to understand better. I would love to know God. I'd love to know a father who loves me, who gave his son for me. The encouragement that I'd have for you is that God is calling you into a life-given relationship with him today. Jesus' arms are stretched open wide, and he's saying, come to me, run to me. I love you, and I want you to be in a life-given relationship with me. And so if that is you, God is calling you to experience His goodness, His eternal love, and His faithfulness. And so why don't you respond to the call of Father God calling you in today and live in this life, get into this relationship of praise and thanksgiving and worship of Him. Amen. Amen. But for right now, I hope that there's something has stirred up in your heart to say, hey, I'm going to turn up the volume. I'm going to praise God louder. I'm going to prioritize His presence. And we're going to do that one more time right now. We're going to say everything that is within our lungs, every breath that we have is for you, Jesus. We're not going to waste the last few minutes this morning. We're going to give it all to God and say you deserve all our praise, all our worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ben.